Gavacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk is sponsored by Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy is an alternative to the sugary energy drinks that can make you get a boost of energy and crash quickly, while also putting a ton of sugar into your body. Rogue Energy comes in four unique product lines best suit your personal needs. Their low-calorie, no-sugar energy formula is the perfect alternative to sugar-filled canned energy drinks and sodas. Their extreme formula provides the most energy focus and sports performance possible. Their hydration line offers focus ingredients without the added caffeine. Drink it anytime you're thirsty. Finally, their shake formula is a delicious zero calorie energy milkshake. The thing that also makes Rogue Energy unique from other powdered drinks is that it dissolves really well and you won't find any chalky textures in their drink. With over 10 different flavors to choose from, we at Coda Sports Gambling Network definitely recommend Rogue Energy. Go to their website, rogueenergy.com, and use the promo code CODA, that's K-O-T-A, to receive 10% off your order. Again, rogueenergy.com, and use the promo code CODA, K-O-T-A. What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your host, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA! Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through. soccer podcast that i ever heard man hey everybody and welcome to another episode of gabacho borracho u.s soccer talk i am uh thomas miller and i'm joined as always by Corey adair Corey adair uh this is i believe episode nine right yeah yeah i don't yeah, I think it's nine. Uh, yeah, we're somewhere in there. It's either eight, nine, ten, or eleven, something like that. Um, we are coming off the back of three uh, U.S. men's national team games, um, and so in today's show, that's kind of what we're gonna we're gonna break down. Um, just kind of uh, go game by game and uh, kind of see where our emotions were at at that time and uh, where we sit at this moment. Um, before we get started, though, Corey, how are you doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, college football is getting real thick, so it's a <laughs> Saturday-based system over in this household. <laughs> You're right. College, yeah, college football takes up a, a lot of our time, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, almost almost as much as U.S. soccer does, but, <laughs> but we did. We, we, I mean, we just had three games in seven days. Came away with six points. That was the bare minimum that we said. So, you know, I mean, there was, there was a lot of information and opportunities for players. You know, we had some injuries at the, at the, at the top end of our player pool. And there was some people that got some chances that we haven't been able to see before. Uh, there was also some pretty classic 
things that we saw that I, I don't think, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for you on this, but I just don't have any patience for anymore. <laughs> so I don't know. I think we should just hop into it with the first game. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think the best way to go about this, since um, this is the first time recording since before the games uh, is kind of do timeline sort of thing. We'll go game by game. And um, so we'll start with our game. That was last Thursday um, versus Jamaica um, in Austin, Texas. It, it literally because of college football a little bit. And also because, you know, we work and, drink and whatever whatever else i mean it seems like it was way more than you know just just one week ago but uh um it was just last thursday uh hosted jamaica in the first game um just real quick the starting 11 for that game uh the starting 11s it's kind of an important thing um to kind of understand our emotions going (laughs) particularly from game one to game two and then and then also um a big part of going game two to game three. Um, So the starting 11 that was announced on last Thursday for Jamaica was uh, Turner in goal, um, Anthony Robinson left back, uh, Zimmerman and Miles Robinson center back, Serino Dest at uh, right back. And then our midfield was um, Yunus Musa getting his uh, first official U.S men's national team start getting him cap tied um weston mckinney and tyler adams and then our attacking force was brendan aronson uh ricardo pepe and greg berhalter's favorite guy paul Ariola. um so just basically when that starting 11 came out i mean we were psyched i you know i'm kind of speaking for you and you can chime in anytime we were psyched for the midfield this is the midfield that everybody has wanted to see but at the same time, we were, you know, at least myself, I guess, a uh, little disappointed to see Zimmerman getting the start and not Chris Richards and then also Paul Ariola. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, well, we, we pretty much called this starting lineup. We called the starting 11 except for Ariola, but we also talked about how there's always some MLS guy that he always puts in these situations when we really, we don't need it. I understand what his thought process is for it. I understand that he thinks the minutes matter with these guys and it allows him to have maybe like a veteran coaching presence on the sideline or on the field with the guys or something. I don't, whatever it is, it ain't it. It just ain't it. It just doesn't do it. The, The MMA midfield, I mean, overall, there were, what would you say, probably there was like 75 minutes the first game, 90 minutes the third game of seeing that midfield together, and it looked awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was like night and day of uh, what we had been seeing. Uh, even though we won both tournaments in the summer, struggled to score goals, struggled to have that linkage uh, from the back to the front. Um, the game that they didn't play uh, – we struggled once again, and we'll get to that. Um, but, I mean, really, even um, from the very start, there was, like, a class and, uh, uh, like, a one-touch, you know, this is what Greg Berhalter claims he wants to play, is, like, is like a Pep Guardiola-type one-touch Barcelona in their heyday-type soccer. And, and, and really, from even the first minute, there was an instance of that where there was, like, I think it was 
Musa played it to Pepe, and then Pepe played a through ball, and uh, to Ariola, who had gotten in behind. Um, and that kind of brings us to the first major point of that game uh, right away. You know, within within the first minutes or ninety seconds, you know, like uh, Ariola gets pulled down from behind uh, <laughs> when he was in the clear. Like uh, it was the Jamaican guy reached his arm out as far as arm could extend and pulled on his shoulder, pulled him down. Uh, the ref took about, what would you say, like seven minutes to make a call and uh, ended up not giving the red card. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't <laughs> think we need to focus too much on on that guy. To, you know, there's going to be a, there, there's a few more moments in the match where he has a big part to do with it. I think that this specific instance was a micro of the macro of the issue with him, and that was that he just he did not. Be, he, he did not make decisions in a timely manner. He was not decisive. He yep. thought forever. If he was going to throw a yellow on that, if he felt that Ariola was seeking the contact to the point where maybe a red wasn't deserved, if he felt that way, I don't give a shit, honestly, if he felt that way. You need to make right. that decision. You need to have confidence in your decision, conviction in it. And he, mm-hmm. he had moments throughout the match like that. But that I, I felt it was a pretty simple red card maybe because it was so quick in the match that it should have been a yellow, but he should have just made that decision. Right. Um, yeah. And then just, just kind of jumping forward, then he, there was also a red card shout in about the 25th minute. Um, where it was another uh, kind of similar situation where there's a through ball to Aronson and he kind of took a, he took a safe route to the ball. One might say, uh, and then there was another kind of almost, you know, pretty obvious foul, uh, debatable i would say it was like a 90 10 kind of call 90 percent being the foul uh and it was right at the edge of the box last guy defending as well same sort of thing he took a long time to call it he didn't give the red card um and so that kind of goes that kind of speaks to what you were saying where you know he was as indecisive and it was clear he didn't either didn't want to make himself you know the talking points which he ended up doing anyway uh at least for the first half um but all in all, um, the first half ended 0-0, uh, but, I mean, it was 0-0 uh, at home to Jamaica. Uh, I know most people would probably want to see us already up 2-0, 3-0 at that point, whatever. But, uh, I mean, just watching the game, you could tell that we had our stuff, you know. Uh, even with Ariola out there, <laughs> uh, you know, we still look great in the midfield. Um, it was kind of like our first taste of that right side just being deadly with certain Serginho Dest and Yunus uh, Musa playing together. Um, yeah, I mean, real quick here, we, mm-hmm. we, we truly do have phenomenal ability on the edge. We are fullbacks, the combination of those two guys. And when that MMA midfield is in there, on our wingers, even without Pulisic and Reyna, which was the greatest thing to see. Yeah. That, that was, that shit, that shit would be deadly to anybody. Right. Like that's really, yeah, that, I mean, the, to jump in, that's what we were missing is we need in the midfield to be able to either pass by whatever uh, defense is either pressing or, or there, you know, or, or carry the ball to our strikers. I mean, they can, our, our attackers, I mean, you know, Aronson and Reyna and Pulisic are totally capable of tracking, and, and even Pepe, to be honest, uh, are totally tr- uh, 
capable of tracking all the way back to midfield to receive the ball, but it, it works so much, so much better, like night and day better. If we got guys like Yunus Musa who can bring the ball or even look at the Torre in his, in his time that he got in, who can bring the ball up to them. You know, it just makes us that much more deadly. It makes us that much more, you know, uh, like, uh, like Burhalter allegedly wants to see, you know, where it's like um, any Pep Guardiola team where you're just going to wear out the other team because you're just going to be constantly attacking. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought we were seeing the potential there too. I, it looked, there was certain things that just looked awesome. Yeah. looked awesome. It looked great except for Areola just destroying <laughs> any type of continuity going down the field. <laughs> Multiple yeah. times. Other than that, it looked awesome. You you just you had this feeling that you were going to break through. You you really did going into halftime. There was too many, not half chances made, but potential easy goal opportunities made. Like there there was multiple of these opportunities. So going into halftime, mm-hmm. you felt like you were going to pull it through. Jamaica really wasn't too threatening, to be honest. So you know, coming out of halftime, you you felt like you were going to see some stuff. And then what what minute? What minute did we, uh, by the way, oh, real quick, mm. you know, I don't, whatever, however we go about talking about the, the next two goals, I, I do need to point out that we just nonchalantly talked about and accepted the fact that we <laughs> were saying Pepe was going to score two goals. <laughs> yeah. Like, who actually says something <laughs> that bullet is, like, oh, yeah, 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 he, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. So, yeah. Uh, how did how did uh, how did Pepe look in the second half to you? Yeah, in the first half he he had trouble getting into the action. Really, I think that's like a little bit what we were missing. And and you know, not to just throw it all on him because I'm not gonna just shit on him completely. But I mean, Ariola had a lot to do with it. It always seemed like in the first half, at least, like uh, when we needed that important touch uh, to maybe get the ball to Pepe. Uh, it was Ariola, and there was a lot of times where he couldn't do it, you know. But I mean, I, I don't have the exact minute wrote down, but uh, it was it was pretty quick, right? It was like yeah, oh yeah, within the like first four or five minutes of the the second half, and it was just a it was a beautiful beautiful play. It was Dest and Musa combining. Dest took the ball down the the right sideline for you know about 25, 30 yards, played it into Musa, who had a ton of space. By the way. Jamaica's midfield, very, very bad. <laughs> uh, but you, you can only play the teams that are, you know, presented in front of you. So Musa just ran to daylight, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, just a straight run right down um, kind of the, the right side of the midfield. Desk continued his run. He played it back to Desk, just to the, um, to the, to the far right side of the, the box. Um, uh, a beautiful pass. Des first time, uh, then you know crossed it in first time. I mean, uh, to Pepe, uh, it was a little bit behind him, but Pepe showing the capability that he has as a striker, uh, tracked back you know one or two steps and was still able to get enough force and control on the ball with his head to head it to the far side post, and it was one zero USA. Yeah, it was a perfect it was a perfect advance of play with aggression and continuity and passing. I mean, it was just with athletic with pace too. I mean, Musa 
Musa plays out on the wing a little bit more than he does in the midfield for his club. There's pace there. And yeah. Est is a wing back on one of the most expensive clubs in the world. So there is massive pace there. And these two guys just carved him up. And with where Dest served it to Pepe from, you like you you really can't miss. I mean, it was just a little blooper of a cross, and it was just a beautiful header. I mean, it's exactly why we wanted him because we knew we had athleticism on the outside. We could break him down, break him down, get a nice, easy little pass, and the dude doesn't miss from inside the six yard box or whatever yard is six the six yard box. Yeah, with with a header, he just doesn't miss. No, I mean it was. Yeah, I mean everything about it was was beautiful. It was it was exactly what we wanted to see, um, and it was just kind of like a continuation of what we saw in the first half. I mean, we, even though we didn't get a goal, but like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, it, you know, they're right on the head that like uh, we saw it in the first game and the third game. So you know, Destin played all in the second game. Um, uh, that combination between him and Musa is this. It's it lights out. Uh, I mean, it's gonna work against anybody. It's gonna you know, hopefully work against Mexico. It's going to work when we get to, you know, if we get to the World Cup, uh, I think we will. And uh, I mean, it's 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 a it's a very intimidating thing. I, I think, you know, uh, whoever uh, whoever the team is that is, you know, going to be, um, um, you know, charged with the task to defend that sort of combination on the right side is is going to be shit in their pants when they when they have to do it. Um, just kind of keeping it going. Um, the second goal I just recently watched, it was it was a thing of beauty as well. Um, it started all the way back towards our box. Uh, Adams, who is oftentimes, Tyler Adams, who's great, and it, it was shown once again in this window, the same as the last window, that when he's playing the six, the United States is 100 times better. Uh, he is like probably one of our most indispensable players. Like he needs to be out there. He needs to be starting when he does play. He can't be at right back. He can't be whatever else. I mean, he's the guy. He's our six. He got the ball uh, close to our box. Like I was saying, played a beautiful diagonal pass. It was to Anthony Robinson, on this time on the left side, which is perfect. You know, the first goal was on the right side. The second goal was on the left side. Uh, Anthony Robinson um, takes maybe one or two dribbles, plays a through ball to uh, Brandon Aronson. Um who had gotten behind the, the Jamaican back line uh, thanks to that, that through ball. Um, and when you, if you rewatch it, it's just this perfect example. Aronson's running on the ball. He hasn't even caught up to the ball yet, um, but he already lifts his head up. He sees Pepe is, is uh, streaking down the middle, uh, wide open. <laughs> thanks Jamaica for that. Uh, and then he first times it on the ground um, to the center of the pitch. And Pepe slides in and knocks it in for a second goal. Yeah, and that was that was not something we saw. That wasn't the first time we saw it that match either. And that's why we were. That's why I kind of went on my little tangent about our fullbacks. It wasn't just the right side. It wasn't just Destin Musa. They 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 look like they have the highest ceiling. But in that match, what forced that second potential red card was exactly what we saw in this goal. It was. The ability of Anthony Robinson to stretch out a defense, he has, he is so fast. It is crazy how much athleticism there is out there. It's, it's just crazy in general how much athleticism we have as a team. It, I, you don't usually, you didn't used to see this type of stuff. So he, his pace and then 
even Aronson's pace and his ability to find open spaces. That was exactly what led to that second potential red card. It's exactly what led to this goal. And it was a great cross, a great ground cross. And once again, Pepe, you get it. Like I, I'm going to keep saying it. You get, you get solid, you get him to get solid contact on target with within 10 yards of that net. It's going in. It's just going in. He is not missing. He does not miss. It's crazy. Yeah, honestly, this kid's awesome. It was awesome. Those two strikes that that showed an ability with his head and ability with his feet that we have been searching for years to find. Think about the opportunities that he got and took advantage of. How many times we've watched Josie Altador and Zardes and Sargent and everybody miss that sliding goal. The header on the short cross all the time. And this kid just nailed. He gets two two opportunities, two goals. Bam. Done. Yep. I mean, I, yeah, I think it was like, uh, it was like his, I don't know how many touches he had, but I mean, it was like his third, like offensive, like goal scoring opportunity touch, you know, I mean, he, I think he only had three the whole game. And I mean, he buried two of them. Uh, the other one, uh, the ball got centered to him kind of towards the edge of the box, like zone 14 or whatever they call it, where that arc is on the edge of the box. And he, he took a shot. He didn't hit it uh, perfectly, you know, and it, Andre Blake's a very good goalie. So he stopped it. Um, uh, I was going to say the thing that you mentioned, like, so, so that goal was in the six, six minute. And from there on out, we just kind of like played it out. Uh, a lot of great uh, Olaying, a lot of great uh, killing the game kind of stuff. Um, Timothy Weah did come on and he was amazing. Um, and he actually had a cross. This is like what I was saying about, something you just mentioned that he had a pace cross similar to Aronson's cross. Um, Pepe had already came out um, and uh, your favorite guy, Jazzy Zardes was in there. It was, it was a uh, beautiful moves by Timothy way on the left side of the box and he crossed it. And, you know, like you had just said that in how many years or whatever that we've been watching this Zardes couldn't get there. Like he was like surprised by the pace or, surprised by the, the the pitch i don't know i don't know but like he he just flat out he couldn't get there i mean i think it was something that if pepe was still on we took him out just to save him i guess but um uh you know zardes couldn't get there <laughs> and uh and i mean that was really that's kind of it for that game right yeah i mean way it way it did look good and he backs it up you know later in the window as well I do want to give huge props to the fighting Matthew McConaughey's out there at Austin FC because that that was a great crowd. It was definitely the better of the two. Uh, that was you could hear it through the stick, you could hear it through the TV, so you knew that they were being loud enough. Like if you were on the pitch, it was that loud, you know. So it was it was a great environment. I loved it. Felt good coming out of it. Felt really good going in Panama was trying to temper that because we saw what Panama did with Mexico in, in Panama city. We knew we saw pictures of the pitch the, the day before <laughs> on Twitter. And it's saying, I mean, it literally looked like when Jacksonville stadium is all tore up by the end of the season. And you see the little videos of how there's sand and shit on the field. And it just looks awful. That's Panama cities, but worse. Right. Yeah. So, I mean that. So like, let's, let's touch on that for a second. Like, so you know, if you can travel back in time, remember how we felt at the end of the game against Jamaica and like what 
kind of your expectations or, or thoughts were going into the Panama game. And like, I'll go first. Like, I was like, this is it. This is it. We finally figured it out. Uh, we worked through Areola being out there. <laughs> you know, all these MLS guys will just be subs. Perfect. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it. It's like the only thing that could derail that would be a ton of squad rotation and not just a squad rotation of putting guys like Luca de Torre in there instead of Musa or whatever. It would be a rotation of uh, putting the worst guys that we have on this roster <laughs> into Panama, into the Panama game. Yeah, I was, I, I, and, and let's be honest. I was the one that was saying, hold on, dude, because if Berhalter does Berhalter, things were fucked. I straight up was saying that. And, and even though we were both excited with how it looked, I was the one saying that I expect Berhalter to do this shit. I expected it. I knew he was going to do it. I should never bet it. I mean, I, this was the most tempted I have ever been to have a bet out on Twitter and turn around and go cross Memorial Bridge and hurry up and bet against it for double money. <laughs> the moment right. I saw the starting lineup, it was, it was absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And even today, even to this day, we win again, you know, we're not there yet, but we cut, like we said in the beginning, we came away with six points and I'm still to this point with this man. This was the most ridiculous lineup. This was the most ridiculous decision. His explanations were stupid as shit. Oh my, this guy, I don't know what his problem is. Can, can I can I tell him the lineup? Can we just move on into it? Go ahead. Yeah, and so the starting eleven for that we we had Turner and goal again. Our fullbacks were completely swapped out. We had Bello and Shaq Moore in there, and in the limited minutes, uh, you know, they, we we don't hate them, but they're 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 in there, and it's Zimmerman again, but this time it's McKenzie, McKenzie, and and <laughs> and then the midfield is Musa. Get legit and Acosta. So we're happy to see Musa, but all of a sudden you're taking out your best player, the most, or not necessarily your best, but your most critical. You touched on, on, mm-hmm. on Tyler Adams and the importance of having him run the six. But no, you're going with Acosta. And then in the front, you're going with Zardes, Wea, and Areola. Of course, right? You got to have Areola out there at all times. Yeah. I mean, you change. <laughs> You changed seven starters, but of course it's got to be Ariola. Yeah, I mean nobody. Oh my god, it was that was so infuriating. I, right. I, I legitimately DM'd you and was like, "Dude, I'm 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 gonna go bet on Panama." <laughs> right. I mean, it was the same for me. Like I, you know, I I didn't really I didn't really um um expect it to happen. I get I don't know. Like I. I had some sort of faith that like there would be some rotation and whatever, but in, you know, if you got legit not a cost on the squad, I guess, you know, if you're Greg Berhalter or if you're United States soccer federation, you got to play these MLS guys because there's got to be a pathway for MLS guys to be on the fucking national team or whatever. But I mean, honestly, like it, it felt, it felt shitty going into the game. Like I, I had, as soon as I started, saw the starting 11, I had, you know, bad thoughts about the game. And that, that kind of like tempered my, my anger, like during the game, because this is like, this is kind of what we expected. I mean, if you're going to run that starting 11 out there, which is like 
a worse version of of the Gold Cup squad or whatever, you know, against a Panamanian team that tied Mexico. Mexico looks great so far in all these qualifying games. Uh, they tied them, you know, at home. Uh, could it be argued that they should have won that game? I mean, you're not going to take Panam- Panama serious and you're going to fucking run this bullshit lineup out. I mean, we got exactly um, uh, what we deserve, to be honest. Yep, yep. And what we, I think the easiest way to explain everything that was bad, because it was all bad on offense. Truly, I, I, I cannot express this enough. I didn't come away with a single positive from our offense. We had zero shots on fucking target. Yeah, and there's, there's shit out there. Uh, I mean, and there was just watching it, at, you know, in live time that the guys especially in the midfield, uh, Leger and Acosta, that, you know, they they missed opportunities. We couldn't play the ball fast. Uh, it actually it actually rained, I think, like all morning or all night or whatever, the night before Panama. So the pitch, like the pitch was bad the day before, but the pitch was like fast. It was good. It wasn't, it wasn't really hopping around, you know, like you would see at El Salvador and San Pedro Sula or Guatemala or whatever. Like it, it was a good pitch. That's that's not an excuse for what we saw. I mean, these guys just like they have it ingrained in their brains because they play in the MLS. And I love the MLS. I will support it to the day that it ceases to exist. But it, it, it just doesn't prepare you to play on that next level. And like Panamanian guys, like that that might be their top level. You know, is getting to the MLS. But in a national game, like this is like this is. This is higher quality than the MLS. You can't play slow. You can't back pass. You can't have opportunities to push the ball down their fucking throat and 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 do like a pirouette and and fucking pass it back to your to your to your center back. I mean, it, it just can't happen. We saw it. We saw it work. Uh, uh, uh pushing the ball down the field uh, offensively against against Jamaica, and then we bring these guys in, and it was the same fucking thing that we've seen time and time again. Back pass, back pass. No offensive creativity. Nobody can get the ball, you know, even to Zardes, uh, who, who didn't play great. He didn't play good. I mean, really, like, if you're going to give out match grades, I think everybody would be, like, pretty fucking low. I mean, even even Turner had kind of a bad game. He was playing uh, passes out of the back, you know, um, errantly. It was, just, it was just terrible. And uh, it, it was, like... It was something fucking Burhalter even touched on in his, in his in his post game, and he got called out by the reporters that were doing the press conference. That he kind of talked about um, almost playing for a tie, and so they were like, uh, "So literally, you put the squad out there like just to try to get one point?" And he backtracked and he was like, "No, no, no, no. I could I, we could tell we could tell by you know watching about 25, 30 minutes of the game that even you know getting getting a point here uh, would be important." Uh, but I mean, he put himself in that fucking situation and, um, what ended up happening in the second half, it was zero, zero for a long time. Uh, second half, uh, Panama on every corner they got, they kept trying, uh, an Olympico, which is like a kick, kick from the corner, basically trying to make it into the goal, like a hooking ball into the goal. And one finally worked out thanks to Jassi Sardes, who either like, for whatever reason, he didn't get the own goal, but I'm pretty sure he touched it with his head. Oh. But he at least blocked the fucking shit out of Matt Turner's vision. I mean, it's fucking inferior. To be honest. 
Yeah, if that's a goal, if that's not an own goal, then Weyas isn't an own goal. <laughs> Suck my dick. Yeah. How the fuck is Weyas? I mean, we'll get to that in Costa Rica. <laughs> How is that an own goal? Like, the, just because the goalie got some piece of it, it's a fucking own goal. Zardes, like, made his most impressive header that I've ever seen him fucking make <laughs> to, beat, to beat Matt Turner, and it's not an own goal. It, it's just fucking stupid. Yeah, this was all bad. It was all bad. It was all, all bad. Everything that we complained about just 10 minutes ago about Areola in the first match was magnified by a hundred in this match. It was awful. I think that those midfielders suckage melted or something and even touched Musa a little bit because he wasn't even charging the open spaces, which he did a ton in the first match. So even the young guys that we were excited to see way, I'm pretty sure that Areola gave way of the yips. I mean, we just <laughs> stuck across the board for, Probably 75 minutes of that match until Burhalter all of a sudden must he must have drank a cup of coffee or something at halftime and finally woke up out of this trance that he was in because then he started bringing in people. But even when he did that, he brought in rolled on too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, so yeah, it was just all bad. He did bring in Adams. Adams made some con- created some continuity, but then he brought in rolled on and then he brought in Aronson. So so I mean he. Let's put it this way. The decisions he made even throughout that match were at best, at best, one step forward, one and a half steps back at best. And the way that I'm treating this situation right now and the way that I'm talking about him and the way that I still feel about him to this day, it was all captured in that Twelman Freakout 2.0. (laughs) Right. (laughs) With a hoodie hoodie on just going off on Herc. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... And everything he said was completely correct. He brought up that Germany and Spain will go play countries like fucking Azerbaijan and they'll, and they'll rotate three guys, you know, and, and that's considered a lot of rotation. Berhalter rotated seven motherfucking guys. And it wasn't, it wasn't our seven next best guys. It was these fucking MLS guys that, Another thing they brought up that Berhalter brought up in the in the postgame presser was how hot and how humid it was in traveling, flying four and a half hours and all this fucking bullshit. We see every other team in the CONCACAF and it got brought up a million times between the two games, uh, the game between Panama and the game against Costa Rica, that other teams aren't fucking they're not rotating the way that Berhalter is rotating. And uh, I did. I want to track back that there was like. A five-minute period, the first five minutes, like, Yunus looked similar to the Jamaica game, but I think he, like, started seeing what his, like, midfield <laughs> teammates were doing, which were Acosta and fucking Sebastian Legette, uh, and was like, you know, like, what what the fuck? What am I supposed to do here, you know? And and I think that's what fucked him up more than anything else. It was like, it, it was just it, it was terrible. And, like... The Dude, I'm not <laughs> shitting you, man. He has... He had he is on very thin ice with me, and I you're gonna find out real real quick if he is our guy for the future or not, based on what squad he brings next window. It, if if I see half as many any any a single player more than half as many MLS yeah. guys on that next player pool, I'm done. Like done, done, <laughs> not going back. Never going back. I don't care. He could win the World Cup for us. He will never be my guy. 
Right. He doesn't take this shit seriously after seeing that garbage product that he put on the pitch when we went down to Panama City. If 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 he if he doesn't correct that decision, that is Bo Pelini defense arrogance. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, and so like, like this is kind of like jumping ahead to the Costa Rica game, but like you can tell. Okay, so. Oh, like what I'll say is that there was so much heat on Berhalter, like, and he's a very, he's a very arrogant guy. He's, he's one of those coaches that like, uh, like his decisions make sense and he'll defend his fucking stupid ass decisions. But he actually, you know, I don't think it was, uh, the post game press conference, but at least by like the next day or when they trained again in the United States, uh, he was kind of taking, um, you know, he was putting the fault on himself. Uh, you know, I rotated too many guys, all this bullshit. And like, it's okay. Okay. So like, you know, you do this, you put all these guys in here that, that, that have never, they've never shown, they've never shown. You can, you can make some sort of argument, I guess. I've seen the argument that legit has done good things for the national team, but like, honestly, as somebody who, who judges them, you know, things by, by watching the games with my own eyes, I've never fucking seen anything that legit truly brings to this fucking team. And so like, so he, he, he's fucking, he's going out there. He's saying all this bullshit about heat and humidity and that Aronson and Areola are the same fucking player or whatever the fuck he said, you know, but then he comes out against Costa Rica and he puts out the best 11, uh, you know, I mean, he wanted to put out Areola, but like, you know, we'll get to that when it when the times come. But like, he put out a fucking squad that he knows will will not get him fired. I mean, and that's how hot his seat got. It it was it was like bliss, and we're great. He even he brought it up in the fucking post game press conference in Jamaica. It was almost like he was like uh like foreshadowing the stupid bullshit that he was gonna fucking pull because he was like, yeah, yeah, we won and we look great. You know. Uh, uh, winning the game, and this is what everybody wanted to see. But if we go down to Panama and lose, then everybody's gonna be fucking pissed. It's like, yeah, okay, we went to gone down to fucking Panama and lost. If you wouldn't stop fucking around, you stupid fucking piece of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am right there with you, which brings me to the next point. I'm pretty sure we have superpowers. I I, I don't understand how this works, but somebody somewhere said something because we finally get to see Chris Richards, which we were, I wasn't so upset that we saw Zimmerman in the first match, but when we saw McKenzie, the fact that it wasn't Richards made me livid. So seeing him come in in the next match was huge. We got our our MMA back on. We had our fullbacks back on. He even went with Stefan in goal instead of Matt Turner. So that was, that was different to me. I was a little nervous about that, but you know, he, he made the decision. And then <laughs> Ariel, Aronson, and Pepe. Ariel, again, the one thing that was pissing us off, because if it's all about rotation, then why is this guy playing more minutes than anybody? Anybody. We and saw it. Um, we, see, we saw it posted 100,000 times over. The guy who's played more minutes under Burhalter since he took the fucking starting job is Paul Ariel. Like, what what does Paul and and I don't think I said it in the Jamaica recap. He didn't play bad. He didn't play bad against Jamaica. He was causing he was causing havoc in the press. Like uh, I'll say that that very good, very good, 
great, great job pressing Paul Arreola. But there was time and time again in the offensive attack that he got the ball on his feet and he shit the fucking bed. I mean, is Paul Arreola uh, uh, a winger or an attacker or is he like, you know, a center back or a fucking fullback at, at best? I mean, he's he just wasn't good. He wasn't great. He ain't it. He yeah. ain't it. He just ain't it. He's not our guy. Not our guy. And then our superpowers kick in, and all of a sudden, 15 minutes before kickoff, Wea is now the starter. If somehow Ariola got hurt, I'm pretty sure that somebody told Burhalter about the Twitter just spaz session. And yeah. he's like, oh, shit. Oh, yep. uh, whoops. Okay. Wea, you're in. Right. <laughs> Ariola's done for the, done for the window. Which yeah. made us happy. I mean, it made us really happy. So, you know, we got we got what we were finally asking for. We finally got to see Richards and Robinson. We finally got to see Robinson and Des. We finally got to see MMA. And then if we don't have Pulisic and Reina, we got to see Wea and Aronson. We wanted to see what our second wave of wingers looked like. And I would venture to say that the players did not disappoint us in this match. There were so many good things that I saw in this match. I don't like the way it started, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of things to be happy about with this match. And I'm s- still still not happy with Burhalter. I mean, like I said, like I said, I've left this open for potential to be done with him, depending on which players he brings in the in the in in the windows and the roster he brought to this window, I felt had a couple more MLS guys than it needed to. I felt like that was because of the injuries to the European guys, but I think he learned he, if he didn't learn this, this is why I'm done with him. You just bring the next couple year guys in Europe. <laughs> you, just, you just bring those guys like De La Fuente <laughs> instead yeah. of Areola. Oh, Oh, I, I wonder why you do that. I wonder why, but right. at any rate, you, you just make those decisions and bring, and bring those guys because the combinations, the stuff that we saw, it was very similar to that second half against Jamaica, to be honest. Right. And uh, I know you wanted to talk about this, so I'll, I'll bring it up for you. The moment that you saw Ariola got some sort of quad injury or whatever fucking bullshit that he said he had and way was in the starting lineup, what did you do as oh. far as gambling purposes? Oh, I insta tweeted that. I didn't even I didn't even text pace on this one. I just <laughs> and tagged him. It was instant. I saw that way it came out and you can actually probably go to the United States men's national team, Twitter handle, find the minute or whatever that it was posted. <laughs> go look at mine because it's within five minutes and it was an Insta. We're going to win. And it's, we're going to score more than one goal. <laughs> Just <laughs> done. Bop. Go. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so but, like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but then the match started and within a minute we were down one, nothing. Yeah, that's that's what we're yeah, that's where we're getting to is that so this is like in case we didn't uh set it up correctly, this is a now we're talking about the game against Costa Rica. Uh like you said, starting eleven was perfect. Um uh Ariola got hurt and then it became even more perfect. So we're happy. But like you could see it was there was something, there was just like something like up <laughs> like I, I don't know if like we didn't know what time the kickoff was or whatever, but like even from the like the very opening kickoff, like there was like guys just kind of standing around, and we played like a long ball, and then uh, Costa Rica got possession and they played a long ball, 
And, and this was like right away, you know, 45 seconds in or something, that long ball they played, uh, Stefan, who I think made up for it the, for the rest of the game, uh, but he just kind of showed um, his, his rustiness, right? Like, because he hasn't been playing for Man City. He's obviously very good. If Pep Guardiola wants you on his team, you obviously have talent. Um, they've had uh, now two seasons to sell him or loan him out, but but Pep keeps him on as the backup goalie behind um, uh, the Brazilian guy, his name Ederson, right? Something like that. And yeah. it, but he comes out and he he makes kind of like a <laughs> like a weird clearance, like maybe Matt Turner, if Matt Turner comes out at all, like maybe he. Uh, boots the ball, you know, 40 rows into the stands and we can kind of reset. But for whatever reason, Stefan headed it uh, just kind of straight up into the air. Uh, Costa Rica knocks it around um, with us trying to defend. Whatever reason, uh, that wasn't the reason that the goal was scored, to be honest. But like, it was just like a weird play by Stefan. Um, uh, We couldn't clear the ball and um, our defense never really reset. And uh, they had like a like a super weird goal that kind of looked off sides. Um, ESPN did a really good job of like clarifying that it wasn't off sides because Sergino Desto was like off the pi- off the pitch past the inline yeah. for whatever reason. Like, and, and Costa Rica scored. It was just like a weird like I don't even know if that last guy had any touch on it. You know, he kind of blocked uh, Stefan's view. But I mean, it just like bounded in. It was like a four bounce ball that bounced into the goal, and we're down one to zero right away. Yeah, it was. I think I think the easiest way to explain it, to be honest with you, it was a fluke. It was a fluke that had to do. I think it had to do a lot with Stefan not being, you know, in game form. Do you agree yes. with that? Like, yeah, I agree. Hold on, I just I gotta throw this in there. This is gonna be random ass content on this episode, but. This Navy Memphis game, this quarterback for Navy is bleeding really, really bad right above his elbow on his arm. And he's running this triple option. The fullback's got blood on his helmet and all over his arm. He is literally just spreading his blood all over everything. It's everywhere on these players. <laughs> Do they just not care in the Navy about cross COVID? <laughs> no, it's blood. There's li- I'm literally looking at blood on all these players. Right. What the hell am I seeing? <laughs> Sorry. No, no. The, 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 it's weird, dude. This is weird. <laughs> I not this ever, and it's 2021. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what I mean. That's why I brought up COVID, especially in a COVID time. That if, I mean, every other sport will stop a fucking game if there's blood all over the place. But I guess, you know, Thursday night college football. Maybe. Fucking whatever happens, happens, right? Maybe. Maybe quarterback. Don't matter. <laughs> we we right. share it. Guys, we're brothers. Oh, man. I Shout out to the military. <laughs> Love yeah. you guys. God bless uh, anyways, you guys. Yes. Anyways, so it was a fluke, and Burhalter showed his – showed you know, he he's so arrogant because he's so damn smart, but he wasn't capable of figuring out that, you know, Dest was offsides too. That, or Dest was – he was he was at the, 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 the baseline or whatever. Whatever yeah. it's called. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. on it. So everybody's onside right now. And it was a super easy goal, super fluky. He needs to be more aware. The moment that ball leaves and he doesn't have an opportunity to regain possession of it and it's in a, t- in a dangerous place, he needs to hurry up and reset that back line if he's the last guy. Like, he, he, he knows he needs to do that. But with that being said, it was definitely a fluke because 
I mean, literally within 10, 15 minutes of that moment happening, all of a sudden, everything just, they, they just snapped out of it. And here's Dest making combination plays. And he goes from looking like this undersized, out physically matched guy last month down in, down in San Salvador to all of a sudden this guy that it don't matter who he's playing, he's taking you to the woodshed. Yeah, man, he he played great. The two games he played, he looked like, uh, you know, like the Sergino Des who got the Barcelona contract. I mean, he was balling out. He was he was he was cooking, as like a lot of people will say in soccer. I mean, he he was doing everything. He was defending. He was defending. He was he was great, man. He was fucking great. He looked like, you know, without Kulisic, without Reyna. In this, in this, uh, in the squad, in this camp, he looked, you know, uh, you know, I love Pepe, uh, but he looked far and away our best player. Like in that combination, once again, we kind of brought up in the Jamaica. I mean, we brought up, we didn't kind of bring it up. We, we like, you know, drove it right into the ground. Like him and Musa on the right side of this attack is fucking deadly, man. And and you're right that like really right away, it, it was like a, it was like almost like a nice wake up call, you know. It, it, it's like in college football and you're playing a bad team and, and they they score uh, on the play, you know, right away in the first quarter or whatever. It was just something that almost like that we had needed uh, as, you know, U.S. men's national team goes. We hadn't scored a goal in the first half for a long time. Um, but really from the, um, the point of the Costa Rica goal, we were dominating play. Uh, it took 25 minutes, but uh, it was, you know, really 23, 22 minutes of domination. Um, where we finally got a goal uh, to level it. It was Serginho Dest. It uh, was hold on, hold, absolute... on. Hold, on Go ahead. hold on here. Hold on here. We're going to do a disservice if we don't throw a little bit one-on-one thing here. Uh, soccer one-on-one, guys, there is a word for magnificent goals. It is golazo. Golazo. Give it, <laughs> give it the credit it deserves. That was yeah. an amazing goal by Dest. Yeah, golazo is... It comes from the Mexican announcers uh, when they do it in Spanish. Uh, but even it's become such a, uh, what would you call it? Like a common word. Uh, the CBS, CBS like a post-game show or whatever for U.S. men's national team games and the Champions League is called the Golazo Show. Uh, yeah, it's just basically, it's, it's reserved for goals that are amazing in either the sense that uh, they're just absolutely, you know, mind boggling or that they come at amazing points uh, in the match. Uh, but, 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 but still need to be kind of like, you know, something where you're just like, Holy fuck. And it, it, to me, I think the cutoff point is when there's nothing the keeper could do. Right. When there's yeah, nothing yeah. the keeper can do and it goes in and it's, and it's just, whew. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. And the, the Sergino Des Golasso qualifies as a Golasso because it was outside the box. Uh, it came from an amazing buildup. I think uh I think I saw it was like 13 passes. It was like a 13 pass possession. But it almost looked like we had kind of missed our opportunity because there was a cross that went long and then it got back to Musa. And then there was Des uh on the edge of the box. Um, uh, big shout out to Weston McKinney. Uh, he took some heat for the way he played in this game because he had some turnovers or whatever. 
But I mean, if you look at his XG stats and uh, his touches and everything, he actually played a pretty good game. And one thing he does on this goal is he makes a run to the corner. Uh, when, when Des gets that possession on the edge of the box and it takes his defender with him. So Des then goes to his weak foot if you want to call it that, because when you look at this goal, it doesn't look like it's a fucking weak foot, but it was his left foot when he's a right-footed guy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he descends it to the, it, it, to the, to the high far post corner uh, with, it was bending, it was breaking. It looked like a knuckleball. It was just a fucking amazing goal by Sergino Des. Outside of the foot, bend it away from you, hit the top opposite corner. Yeah. Beauty. Beauty. It, the yeah the movement on the ball looked like if he was a left-footed striker but i mean it was with his off foot which just makes it that much more of a golazo <laughs> yep so it was it was a thing of beauty so we go into halftime you know after that golazo we we are tied one to one stefan played pretty well we all think it's a fluke then for the first time that i can remember in a while burhalter doesn't make any substitutions after half because right. things no MLS look, guys. <laughs> nope, no MLS guys at all. No need to tinker with anything. We are taking control of this game. And he treated it as such, left the guys out. I so you know we couldn't be mad at him in the second half. And <laughs> once again, we pretty much control the pace of the game in the second half as well. And we get our go ahead in the 66 minute. And yeah. And yeah. once again, it's down the right side. I mean, it was, and it was, this, is this the one that, this isn't the one that started with Adams in the back left corner, is it? No, no, no. This, this was like, uh, we lost possession at the top of our box and zone 14, zone 14 is the zone just outside of the penalty box on the offensive side. Uh, then like uh, McKinney kind of like, played a ball that like hit hit like a Costa Rican guy like either on the ass or the back and it bounded perfectly to it was like a perfect pass I'm a McKinney supporter so I'm gonna say that was a perfect pass uh (laughs) bounded to Sergino Des Sergino Des once again uh and by the way Des and uh Timothy Weah were set to come out like the the subs for those guys were standing on the inline the next dead ball they were going to come out Des plays a perfectly weighted through ball, short through ball to Timothy Weah, who strikes it with like the fury of a thousand angry men. And, it, you know, it bounds off the goalkeeper into the goal. <laughs> Somehow it was- becomes an own goal. Um, uh, I do want to mention too that, like, uh, you know, maybe this goal shouldn't count uh, based on. Penn State Iowa reaction because um, Killer Navas did come out of the game <laughs> at halftime, so it was the backup goalie. So um, you know maybe this goal shouldn't even count. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it went in and we'll take it. So it was two one, United States. Yeah, and it was just another example of Dest being able to connect with midfield and being able to connect to the forward in that position and create goal scoring opportunities. It was what he did. In the minutes that he played all combined, he was the best player on the pitch the minutes he was on the pitch. Because even though Pepe got man of the match in match one, Dest had a lot to do with it. And Dest 
outshadowed him far more than was being outshadowed in the first match in that second match. So yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the man of the window was, was definitely best. He, we were really critical of him seeming like he kind of cowered to the moment when the fruit, when we played him in the first time on the road in CONCACAF and he came alive. The, the way that he's been playing for Barcelona over the last month showed up in world cup qualifying this window. And I think he's unlocked that ability and that next level of potential when it comes to his national team play. I think we are just kind of beginning to scratch the surface of the consistency that he can play at a high level. Right. I do like, I, I, oh. I want to say something about this. Like it goes back even to the nation's league where like pe- people, including myself, I love, I love Serena this, but like people were like really questioning if he gives a fuck about the U S men's national team. And like, he answered in this window without Pulisic, without, um, without Reina that, you know, he was obviously the best player. And like, you, you know, we saw it when he was taken off that, I mean, he, he cares. And that's what, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. When we started um, the first um, qualifying window, that was something we said that if, if you guys, it, you know, if these guys go out there and they show heart and they show belief and, and they show that they, that they care about this and they want to win and they want to play they want to put on the United States men's national team crest that they'll win. And, you know, us as fans will love them forever. And like death showed a hundred, a hundred percent this window that like, he's all in, man. He, he loves this team and he's all about the crest. Uh, there there's video of him shaking fans hands. I, I, I've never seen that. I don't know if I've ever seen that in my life in mid game, you know, he got taken off. That goal is in the 66th minute. He was probably taken off in like the 70th or 72nd minute. And he, he didn't go to the bench. He went and like was like thanking uh, the supporters <laughs> who were at the game. It was crazy. It was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was beautiful. And, and you know, it, it, we, we talk about Anthony Robinson last window, showed himself as like, you know, a guy that we need out there. Tyler Adams has proven time and again we need him out there. And now Sergino Dest is in there. You know, how many ever minutes he can play, be, be, you know, it, it, whether it be a fullback or, or if we ever end up moving him a little bit forward, uh, we, we need him out there. He makes our team so much better. Yeah, I think I think his ability on the ball and in the open spaces and going from the outside edge of the of the field to the midfield and his ability to flow in and out like that. It's critical. It's critical. He has elevated himself to critical status in my book. So I am absolutely in love with it. I would like to note that I felt like McKinney struggled early in this match for maybe the first 30 minutes, even up into the goal being scored until he found his feet and started switching between right to left and left to right and getting involved in that Dest and Musa and way a combination at a couple, at a couple points, Musa moved to left mid and he moved right mid and he was playing with them. And I feel like that boosted his confidence back because when he moved back to left, Moose came back. I mean, we were just, we were slicing and dicing at times. It was, it was really honestly so much fun to watch. Speaking of the substitutions, Hoppy finally got to see some action and, you know, we only won two to one. It wasn't like we scored another goal, but his creativity did show. He did have some moments where they're, 
was maybe a half chance created or you saw a clear potential for a half chance created. But all in all, we just we really we really kind of dictated that match after about 15 minutes. We lost the first 15 minutes and we won the the next. What would that be? 75 minutes. Pretty handily. Yeah, in my opinion. yeah we can we control the game. You could see there was that play um, which we didn't put in our timeline that um, Miles Miles Robinson, if, if you're going to criticize anybody who uh, who had been playing great. Uh, for for us, Miles Robinson probably had his worst game um, as a you know uh, uh, playing for U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, he made like a, a shockingly bad decision with his feet, gave it right to Brian Ruiz, or uh, yeah. And um, uh, thank God that he's 36 years old and. Uh, is not fleet of foot because it was it was literally like a pass that sprung him, you know, at mid it was at midfield and it sprung him on like a one on one opportunity. But he's so <laughs> he's so slow that Miles Robinson himself was was able to track back and stop any attempt. I don't even think he got a shot off, you know. It, it, so it was like it was like an oh shit moment. But uh, but I mean, aside from that, yeah, we. That completely controlled the game. Uh, it was two to one, but you, you could tell sometimes soccer is just like that. It it's not going to be you know a, a sixty three to ten sort of result all the time. You could tell that the second goal wasn't coming for Costa Rica. It completely controlled the game. Uh, um, Busio uh, also came on as a sub. Uh, big shout out to him. He's one of my guys, and he looked like he fit right in. You know, like. I believe he came in for who? Who did he come in? He didn't come in for Adams. He didn't play the six. He played like a a midfield role. Yeah, he came in for Musa, right? Musa was Musa looked tired like uh, at some points too. And uh, and uh, but I mean, Busio looked like he fit right in. I mean, I think I think him, you know, not not in a starting role. I'm not saying we need to start Gianluca Busio, Busio, but like. He he's a he looks like he's a formidable sub. He looks like he's learning how to play in Italy. I think it was his first action of the of the window, which is like another kind of shocking thing, especially since he started all those fucking guys in Panama. Uh, but I mean, he looked really good. Um, yeah, I think I think the big thing to pull from this was that we found our depth. You know, we have our MMA midfield, and now instead of needing to bring a Roldan or a Legette or a Costa, we now have for sure a Buzio. And a Conrad de la Fuente that we can bring. Yeah, uh, Luca de la Torre, same thing. Or so, sorry, yeah, I didn't mean de la Fuente. I meant de la Torre. With the way he looked in the first match when he came in off the bench, I feel yep. like we, we found our depth. If you want to rotate, that's fine. If you want to give a guy a 50-minute break or a 40-minute break in, a, in the middle match of a three-match three window, then that's fine. Even if you want to give him, yeah, like a 45-minute break. De La, Fuente, or, uh, De La Torre showed that he could play that position for McKinney and you aren't going to lose much on the offensive side and you're not going to lose much on the defensive side. And Buzio did the same thing in the third match. So I think you found your depth there. I think you're still searching for maybe one next level midfielder. So that way you don't have to rely on Adam so much. But I think I think if there was a position for Legette to put his name on, I think he has it in him to play a Pirlo style six where he just comes in ready to honestly just fuck people up physically and then try to get long passes forward. If, 
if he put his mind to it, I think that would be something he'd be physically capable of doing. And that should be the only thing he does, but we still, we need to find another six. I think this, this window exposed that we need to have depth at our fullbacks and we need to find depth at the six. We have depth everywhere else. We officially everywhere else. Yeah. 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 Uh, Legit didn't even dress uh, for the last game. So like, like me personally, I'm hoping that this is the end of, of Sebastian Legit playing with this national team. I mean, uh, like I think we can possibly look at the six, uh, the backup six position. You know, maybe if we get qualified or if we get into a position where we looks like we are gonna qualify here. Um, maybe in the January window or something, we can try out some guys at the six or whatever, but I don't, I don't really have any desire to see Kellen Acosta try it again. I don't have any desire to see Sebastian Legette on the pitch at all. I don't think Pusio can play a six. I think he's like, he's like an eight at, at best at this point, you know, maybe in the next world, uh, world cup window, he will have, you know, transform himself into a six just like real quick before we move off this costa rica game i know you're as you're as big a fan of killer Navas as i am like just i'm not saying that that there wouldn't have been another chance for the u.s to score but in your mind do you think killer Navas stops the timothy way goal? no no i'm sorry i i, I don't give a shit about your your <laughs> self-loathing eyewitness fuck that shit we beat michigan in lincoln when we heard Denard Robinson, and that was a fucking win. Okay. No, but I'm, I'm. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking. Do you think Taylor no, Navis makes that stop? I don't. That was a rocket. I think he makes the stop. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I don't. I don't. Because it didn't happen immediately after he came on the field. But it was a different guy. It's it's like a right. right but it did. You're talking about a guy who, who you know seven years ago or whatever was the, I mean, really until like two, three years ago was, was arguably the best goalkeeper in the entire world. And he still plays at least half the matches for PSG. I mean, he's a very good goalkeeper. You don't think that he would have stopped that shot. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really I mean, care. I'm taking it. I'm taking the points. I'm, I'm not going to fucking give them back, <laughs> but I'm just saying that. And, and it's possibility the way that we are dominating the game we don't score there if Kaylor Navas was in there or whatever there's nothing to say there was still what 24 25 minutes to go in the game it's you know totally possible that we would have had another shot uh because we, we would have had to keep you know pressing for that goal we weren't gonna we weren't gonna be settling for a 1-1 tie at home well I'm just we saying had, that we had very dangerous looking set pieces I mean we were we were creating half chances all night and if that goal doesn't happen, then we're going to put more effort into those half chances. I think us scoring again was inevitable, no matter who was in net. Right. 100% believe that. And if he does block that, who knows where the bounce goes? And that's honestly, if he blocks it, maybe maybe he doesn't even get the same contact. And it just goes right through. I mean, that was <laughs> a, it was a rocket, dude. It was a rocket. Uh, um, our drop-off at... You, you kind of brought it up at fullback, our drop off when we had, we don't have Anthony Robinson. We don't have, um, the end, uh, sorry, we don't have Sergino Dest out there. The guys who played Shaq, um, Bello and Yedlin, um, 
at least in my opinion, none of those guys really have cemented themselves as any sort of backup. Um, so I think next window, we have Mexico, we have Jamaica. I really, really want to see Joseph Scali in the squad. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've already set the expectation, even though I didn't say Scali's name. What I was talking about 20 minutes ago or however many minutes ago was that I don't want to see Rodon's name. I don't want to see the Jets' name and Acosta's name I, and Areola's. If I see one of the four, I won't lose it. If I see half of them, I'm pissed off. And the perfect person to bring instead is Ascali. So, right. you know, we need – if De La Fuente isn't on the next roster, if Sargent isn't on the next roster, if – Scully isn't on the next roster. Those are the three people that directly need to replace the positions that are currently being held by these MLS veterans who have never fucking done it at minimum. That's the minimum. That is the minimum. We're going to see what else he does. And honestly, I think that he should be bringing uh, PFOC along with Hoppy. I think you do those four guys with Pepe. I think you bring four guys like that because I think that Hoppy gives you versatility to where he doesn't necessarily have to play center forward. So okay. I just I think you bring the best guys to your to your availability. And as long as if you bring four guys that play center forward traditionally, one of them has the ability to play out on the wing, then you're not bringing four center forwards. You're bringing three and a potential winger. So I, I just don't, I don't see the need for Areola. I don't see the need for any of them anymore, to be honest with you. And I'm getting really sick of this. <laughs> yeah uh the next window we play only two games so really uh, another thing that i personally want to see is i want to see this fucking squ squad rotation you know put aside uh uh the first game of that window is against mexico on u.s soil um uh just a quick look at the table uh the United States is in second with 11 points behind Mexico, who has 14 points, um, one point ahead of Canada. Uh, they have 10. And then the those three would, if it was to end today, would be automatically qualified for the World Cup. Uh, Panama sits in the fourth place position with eight points. They would go to a interconfederation playoff. Uh, so uh, just where we sit and knowing what we have in that last window, we need to it's 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 always a must win against Mexico, but I mean this is like a must win. This is this is the game we got to win. We can we can lose at Mexico City. Now, we don't want to lose at Mexico City, but it, we need to win in Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, I mean hopefully it, it's almost 100. percent Unless he gets another knock, Pulisic will be back for that camp. Reyna is kind of like I think at this point 60 40 to be back for that camp. So I mean we need to see you know our best 11. None of this areola bullshit. None of this, man, he runs around so fucking hard and so fucking fast and he presses and all this bullshit. We need to have our best fucking guys out there uh, when we play Mexico on November 12th. Yeah, I think I think the range of points that are bare minimum is we either need to come away with it's a minimum of two points. So either it's a pretty much simple trade like for like either we draw with Mexico at home, can't afford to lose. And then we went on the road or we beat Mexico at home and try to get a draw on the road. But to keep ahead of schedule, we have to get four points. We have to. 
uh, to not fall behind the eight ball, we're going to need to get two points at minimum. I really, really think that the motivation, considering that it's Mexico, is going to give us our best potential player pool. I think everybody's going to be working to come back and be healthy, and that's going to be a showdown. I cannot wait. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, a lot of our best players are showing. Uh, Weston McKinney made a mistake in the first window, but it's clear – uh, just just by watching how much he was pressing and, and trying to be trying to be good and kind of having you know some some bad moments I guess against uh, Costa Rica, it shows that he wants to be good. Uh, Sergino Des, it, the way he interacted with the fans and and the way he played in the two games, it shows that he lo- that he loves this team. He wants to be a part of it. So like yeah, I, I mean you know this is hope. These guys play good for their clubs, but but more than anything, hopefully nobody gets an injury because, like I said, we play Mexico our next game in less than a month. <laughs> um, do you want to yeah. have any sort of last thoughts, or should we just go ahead and bring Dan in? No, I say I say we get Dan in here. I want to know what he thought of the window. I want to know what he thought of these ups and downs, and I want to see what plays he's got this weekend. All right, and for our next segment, we're going to bring on Dan Angel. Uh, how you doing today, Dan? Huh? Doing okay. Um, surprised with um, the effort so far from my hockey team. I mean, the Senators are actually looking incompetent to start the season. So big plus there. Unfortunately, the NHL is going to make us play the other 81 games. <laughs> right. Yes. I, I don't have anything to add on that. I haven't watched <laughs> a second of NHL yet. But I'm yeah. sure Montreal Canadiens are going to be great. Uh, they're, they're struggling tonight, but eh, long season. Right. Uh, how are you enjoying it back on ESPN? Are they doing a good job broadcasting or no? Um, I haven't been able to um, watch on ESPN yet because this week has really been crazy with um, all the events that I've had. So haven't gotten to watch anything yet. But from what I've heard, they're doing a pretty good um, job with the coverage. So I'm looking forward to being able to watch that on ESPN Plus because my team's Canadian, so we're never on nationally. So I get all 82 games. Right. Yeah, you can't get enough of the Nash or Nashville Predators <laughs> in your area, I'm sure. Um, so in uh, our our first segment, uh, Corey and I went over, uh, you know, this uh, Concacaf uh, qualifying window, the United States performance. Uh, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, it wasn't quite what we expected, and it could have been disastrous, but they ended up doing enough. I mean. The rotate the rotation against Panama that was just inexcusable. Like with what Panama has shown and how tough they've been at home, you can't rotate that many players in and expect to get anything out of the match. So that was just a straight giveaway on the part of on the U.S. Last night, it took less than a minute for the U.S. to um, blow my bet because I had them to win to nil, but they did manage to show some fight um, in getting back in it and getting the result at the end. So in the end, I'd probably give them about a B minus for um, this window because they did enough of what they needed to do to put themselves in a decent position, but they absolutely left points out there and it could have been a lot better. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're right. uh, With Costa Rica, you know, if that result would have went sideways, it would have been, you know, in a, 
you know, a real, real tough situation um, for the U.S. But as it is, they're in second place. They're three points clear of the inter-confederation playoffs. Um, only three points off Mexico. We play Mexico next. So mm-hmm. are you okay? Are you, how you feeling about where we're sitting overall with uh, almost halfway through, I guess, one game less than half? Mm, with where the U.S. Right, is right now, I feel pretty good because they've already been to Panama, who I think is proving to be much better than anyone expected them in the octagonal. And the bottom four teams, Costa Rica appears to be on the way down. El Salvador, the attack just is not there. Honduras, same thing. Jamaica is going to be dangerous when they get all their guys there, but when is that going to happen with all the craziness in the world? So this really looks like it's a pretty clear cut situation. As long as the U S doesn't stub their toe against the bottom four teams, the fact that they have Panama at home for their only other um, meeting with them the rest of the way. And they've got that three point lead on, on, on the Canaleros. I think that the U S should be in good position to qualify. Right. Yeah. I think it sets up nicely too. Like uh, we've already, yeah, we've already been to Panama, already been to El Salvador, already been to Honduras. So um, the only Central American trip that's left uh, is at Costa Rica, which mm-hmm. is either I think it's the very last game. Yeah, it's, qualifying. It's in the last window. I know. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully we got things locked up. It's clear that uh, U.S. really hasn't figured out how to play, uh, or maybe just you know, coaching wise, they don't know how to send the best players out into the field uh, <laughs> when we go to Central America. Um. I, I, I hold on that. I, don't, I, want, I want them to understand how asinine that statement is. That that that's it. It's inexcusable at this point. How how do you, you leadership doesn't know how to play the best players on the road in Central America? It's all on Burhalter. I mean, I mean, it's certainly partially on Burhalter. Um, I mean, you're right. Um, there's no, there's no excuse um, for that. I mean, something that Taylor Twelman touched on on ESPN was how in UEFA countries were only rotating three or four guys as opposed to all the changes Burhalter made. In his defense, this also isn't a situation that anyone has really faced before, and the travel is a lot more extensive than it would be for, say. Germany going somewhere in um, Europe that's only a couple um, a couple countries away and not even crossing a time zone. But those are just some excuses, and there really is no good reason for why the U.S. shouldn't have had a plan to at least come out of Panama with a point. And the U.S. absolutely screwed up in not taking that seriously enough. They should have known that Panama has played very well at home. I mean. Anytime you're facing a side that gets out of um, a home match with Mexico and gets something out of that match, you've got to be ready to um, to expect their best shot. And Panama really wanted that match and wanted it more than the U.S. did. And that can't happen again. The U.S. got away with it only because they bounced back at home against Costa Rica. But that has to be the last time that that occurs during um, this window or the U S could find themselves in a precarious situation at the end, because we've got to remember that last window, the Azteca and Costa Rica, and 
this team does not know how to play in Central America, so the U.S. cannot afford to drop any of these matches. Right, and and just to clarify what I was saying is that I do think we obviously have the talent to go to Central America and and win. It just just seems like, it just seems almost like it's this overthought every single time, you know. Uh, um, I I guess at El Salvador, it, it was a good mix of like, veteran guys with newer guys or you know guys who are based in europe uh at honduras starting off it was a it was a bad team selection a bad uh formation and then also at panama it was bad team selection um and and just you know not putting it all on burr the guys that he did select uh who are professionals and should be able to play a little bit uh just didn't get it done so i do think we're more than capable of you know going to San Jose against the old uh on the on the you know on the downward trend Costa Rica team and getting a win I just I just don't trust in our coach I don't trust in Berhalter to you know make the right decisions to put out a squad that is gonna get a result if we need if, if we were in a situation where we need one point at San Jose or we need a win I mean what 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 would give you the confidence to, to think yeah we're absolutely going to get it it's not there no this is not there yet no nothing nothing says that i mean yeah you're right nothing that burholter has shown has suggested that he's the coach to get the us out of a tight spot should they find themselves in he can steer the ship through calm waters so um, he's proven that he's fine at that but when things get dicey you're right there's just nothing that suggests that this team is going to be ready to handle it and I think that with where we are right now and what we've seen so far I mean I think the U.S. will qualify but they're setting themselves up um, to play three games and go home and um from Qatar because right now based off what we've seen unless they get very, very lucky with their draw and they find themselves in Cutter's song group in group A, this team doesn't look capable of reaching the round of 16. Yeah, and and the worst part about it all is, in all honesty, it's as simple as Greg Berhalter making his big board and playing the best guys the most amount of minutes that they can play. And that's a conversation he needs to have with them. And he needs to be creating team continuity. And you don't create team continuity when you're subbing seven guys for your road match and bringing back on five of the seven or six of the seven or whatever, the the original starters for the third match. There's no continuity being developed there. If If we stand a chance to actually be competitive on a world stage, it's going to be because our young players with all the potential have played enough minutes together to be able to handle the big stage. And right now the decisions that he makes shows us that he believes in his power to tinker with formations and tinker with personnel to get us to that point. When in reality, it's just about playing soccer. I would say that's mostly true. There is one caveat there and that's um, that a lot of our more talented um, guys, they're not used to the kind of conditions that, um, you're going to see in Central America because they're playing in five-star stadiums over in Europe. Now, 
you're right that we need to develop that continuity and we really do need to be putting our best players into those tough situations because we're still going to have to keep qualifying out of um, CONCACAF um, for the foreseeable future. So those tough situations aren't going away and avoiding them the way that um, Burhalter has isn't really helping the situation. Like I, I get that his job is to get the U S to cutter. That's job one. And that's an absolute must after this, but you're right that if we're going to do anything, because the goal for this um, program should not be just to make it, that should be a given. The goal should be to get to the round of 16 and possibly make a run there. And that's not going to happen if we don't develop that continuity that you're talking about. Um, So I do understand it a little bit as far as the short-term goal of trying to get a um, result, but when we don't even get a result, what's the point of um, what we did? Right. (laughs) I just said preaching to the choir. Right. What I was just going to add is that, yeah, I mean, if we can't get a result with our veteran guys who who do have that experience, then, you know, then we've shown that we, that we can, we I mean, maybe maybe the second half in Honduras was kind of like um, a fluke or whatever, as far as the way that the United States is going to look on the road. So, like, why not play these young guys and, and play them until they can't play? I mean, honestly, fuck fuck their clubs. Uh, you know, I mean, every single club that they play for in Europe has like a three hundred million dollar payroll. I mean, they can rotate and sit out those games yeah <laughs> they have they have guys cool. on the bench that are you know starters for 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 african teams and european teams and and whatever else south american teams i mean it, it's this guy it, it's just i don't know i mean we got it yeah especially in midfield uh you know we got to find some sort of combination and play it i mean mexico uh uses you know about half their starting 11 is is based in europe and 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 they come in they don't they don't lose. They, I mean, they haven't lost yet in this qualification. They don't lose at El, or they don't tie at El Salvador and look like you know they could have played three hundred minutes without the threat of scoring a goal. I mean, they win two to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, they t- they tied at Panama, but they beat Costa Rica at Costa Rica. I mean, it, it, you know, in the summer we thought we were getting level with Mexico. At this point, you know, I think Mexico looks like the much better team. It's just it's just frustrating, and yeah, I mean, you're right that. We got to qualify first, but, you know, the goal should be to to get to a point where we haven't gotten to since, you know, at least 2002. And and I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he's the guy to get us there. Yeah. No, we're going to need we're going to need to see some serious growth and humility out of him over the next three weeks. We're going to it's got we're going to know really quickly, depending on the player pool he selects for the next window. And we're probably going to be talking about that for the next two and a half weeks until we find out what it is. Yeah. And I mean, as, as you guys have um, said, I mean, we have to get ourselves to that point where we're not only qualifying, but we're actually in position to do something when we get there, because I mean, the U S like this, this one is, this one is on Asian soil, but the U S has never in its history, even won a match um, in the world cup on European soil. So, I mean, the rest of the world does not respect where we are as a um, soccer nation. And until we show that we can do more than just occasionally get out of the group stage, that's not going to change. 
So the way that we do that is we build these guys together and put them in tough situations. And right now that's just not happening. Uh, is there anything else that you would want to add to that? Or should we, we segue into the picks of the week? I think, I think I'm good there. I mean, yeah, unless you guys have anything you want to add there. <laughs> no, I think we've done enough complaining about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, I mean, to be fair, I mean, yeah, at least, at least the U S is actually in a good position as far as qualification goes, which it could have been a lot worse. I'll give them that, but uh, it just does not inspire confidence for next year. All right. So I'll go ahead and kick off the last segment, which is our best bets of the week. And one of our favorite segments to start off, I'm going to go ahead and do a two game parlay over in the premier league. Now, just so everybody knows <laughs> the starting 11 for some of these teams can be a total crapshoot coming out of these windows. So take I take my bets with a grain of salt. I feel good about them. Just know that if you like the pick, you might also want to wait and see who's playing and who's not playing. I kind of try to take that into account. But anyways, I am going to take Leicester City double chance versus Man U. And it's not necessarily that because Man U has been playing lights out ever since Cristiano Ronaldo, ugh, Cristiano Ronaldo signed back with them. They've been playing at a really high level. So Man U you would have the assumption that they'd probably win that. I just, I really, I, I have good luck with Leicester. I have good luck with Leicester, especially double chances and especially at home. They are a tough team to score on, at, especially at home. So I'm going to roll with the double chance there. And then I'm parlaying that with Liverpool money line versus Watford. And when you do that, it comes out to plus 124. I think the Liverpool is kind of a, kind of a lock. I'm, I shouldn't say that word, but they really should win that match. So when you, I, I, I I just I like the ability to give yourself the two out of three outs with the Leicester City and Liverpool should win and to get plus money out of it. I like it. Right. And I, I would say that I like it, but uh, my bet is um, basically <laughs> exactly the opposite. Um, um, oh. <laughs> my first one, I am going Man United double chance. Um, there's some talk that I've read that Man United has a very tough stretch of games coming up. And uh, that may lead to kind of like a formation change where he might do kind of the thing that we've talked about in international soccer, where a lot of teams will just run a 4-4-2. And basically it's just, we're going to put our best guys out there and we're just going to play soccer. You know, it might not be beautiful. It might be, you know, a struggle to watch. But I, uh, I have been reading that, that Man U might go to that change um, starting with the game, Leicester City. I do think Leicester City is good enough, especially at King Power, to score. So I'm going to double that up with a both teams to score um, uh, a yes on that. And that gets me to just above even money, uh, plus 102. Hey, I mean, we both have it out there. As long as it's a draw, then we're, both, we're good. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yep. Bet the draw. Yeah, just, just <laughs> ban. You're betting the draw, right? <laughs> i mean i thought i thought about it that's for sure oh uh, i don't know what the, just for some reason i i feel strange i feel way too comfortable betting leicester city to draw yeah, <laughs> but they're, what do you, they're good so, at king power they're really good at king power they are all right how about you dan 
All right, so my first storm bet is going to be a draw. However, it's going to come out of the Bundesliga, and I'm going to bet um, Cologne and Hoffenheim to draw and both teams to score because Cologne has actually played pretty well this Psalm season, and Hoffenheim has been hit or miss. So I think there's a good chance that these teams will both take something away um, from this. Three of Cologne's past four matches have finished level, and all three have finished um, one-to-one. So I might get um, a little risky and play for a um, correct score on this one. So let's see. I mean, play, I mean, playing the draws and both the score is risky enough at plus 320. But let's see. Correct score plus 675, um, one-to-one. I think that I think there's a decent shot at it, um, because yeah, I, I think that um, Cologne is playing is playing just well enough to get a result. They haven't they haven't actually won away from home yet, but they've only lost once some on the road this year. So I think that a draw in both to score makes a lot of sense here. Yeah, I mean, if if <laughs> if they're drawn that much and they aren't losing on the road, then being on the road puts them in prime draw category, uh, prime draw territory. Then it's probably a good bet. Interesting thing there, though. It, it, doesn't Chris Richards play for Hoffenheim? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say you're bet you're betting against our boy to to give up a goal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just. Mean, you looks like sen- you can't get sentimental when it comes to betting. No, no, definitely not. I, I am told if the trend is pointing that way and that's the way that they're playing, show me the money. <laughs> I mean, Hoffenheim, I mean, both teams have scored in four of Hoffenheim's past six matches, and one of the ones that didn't, Hoffenheim was the team that got shut out. So, yeah. Plus, I mean, I did get to see Hoffenheim when they played Dom Union, and it was an entertaining match, and it, it finished Dom um, 2 all. So I, I think um, that this defense can definitely be beaten at least once. Yeah, and Chris Richards, I mean, from what we saw last night, he looks like he's a risk to get a red card at any, at any point. Uh, <laughs> did you mention, like, if you were going to play the correct score, did you say what score you would go with? 1-1. One, one. One, one. Um, yeah, three of Cologne's past four matches have finished 1-1. One, one. Right, okay. All right, so moving on. I'm I'm staying in EPL again, and we'll see how my how how my fate is this weekend in the EPL. But I'm gonna go Chelsea money line against Brentford. I have I don't know have they announced if Pulisic is gonna be good to go for their first match? Um, they haven't. I mean, he was hanging out with the Jets on the weekend, so I mean, I just got this funny feeling <laughs> that he was close to actually being able to play for the U.S. and that they purposely he, he like he skipped that window not 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 to not play for the United States but because he wasn't 100% yet but it was almost like all but guarantee that i i think he's going to play this weekend the, the independent is reporting that pulisic is doubtful doubtful okay yeah. okay but i i still think chelsea is a much better team they should get they should get the win they should win this they should beat brentford and i'm parlaying that with West Ham double chance against Everton. I know that Everton has been looking pretty solid this year and it is on the road, but I just really like 
West Ham to be that type of team that comes away with a point a lot more regularly than they come away with zero points. And the way that they've been playing before the international window, I feel really good about their chances of getting a draw as the underdog because they're, and they're only the underdog because they're on the road. But I just, I really like their chances to get a draw. Same kind of thought process behind Leicester City. When you put those together, it comes out to plus 138. And I, I, I mean, I like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm into it, uh, especially West Ham. Hopefully we get a draw. <laughs> uh, moving on to mine. Uh, next one. Uh, I'm going to La Liga, and I think on a show, two shows ago, I said I was done picking Barcelona, but uh, here I am. <laughs> two weeks later, uh, I'm going to pick Barcelona money line against Valencia. Um, I'm pairing that with Sevilla uh, on the road. Um, they are slight, not underdogs, I guess, but uh, their money line is a plus 120. Uh, Celta Vigo is 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 a bottom table team uh Sevilla is is considered a you know a top 10 team in all of Europe um and um when those are combined together it comes out to plus 238 um Barcelona versus Valencia um is a must watch if you're a fan of the United States men's national team uh although I'm not sure if they'll play that game will uh feature Sergino Des versus Yunus Musa um, but like I said, who knows if they'll play with the, the traveling and et cetera, et cetera. But if they do play, uh, go ahead and bet both of them to score one-to-one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yep. No, love it. What do you got for your next one, Dan? All right. So for my next one, I'm going to do something that Dom is a favorite of all of us, and that is Whenever you get a chance to fade Norwich Shum for plus money, you take it. And that means I am backing Brighton to go to Carroll Road and get the win at plus 105. I mean, Norwich is still just a terrible team that is almost certainly going to be playing in the championship next year. I mean, I think Norwich to be relegated is already at um, minus 450. So the the writing is clearly on the wall. I mean, the Canaries are, they've managed to get one point so far out of seven matches and Brighton is actually playing pretty darn well um, to open up the season. So yeah, I think um, the Seagulls can go to Carroll road and get a win out of this one. Mm, You are speaking my language right there, Dan. I have bet on Brighton on this podcast and hit, and we have all openly talked about our affinity for betting against Norwich because they suck so bad. So, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, thing is, the thing is that Brunley and Newcastle United have been, you know, not as bad. They don't have a goals against or goals, you know, goal. What is it called? Uh, a goal differential of minus 14. But I mean, if Norwich was to win one game, they would be actually out of the the relegation zone. But uh, True. I mean, you just you just don't see it. it it's yeah, I, I love that bet 100 percent. I don't see Norwich as bad as Schalke was last year oh, like, God. In, in the Bundesliga. <laughs> I think Norwich I think Norwich might beat their record of like they might be relegated by Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Oh, full yeah. send. 
<laughs> All right. So for my last pick of the night for the weekend, I am actually hopping over and spending a little bit of time in La Liga with Thomas. And I am going to take Villarreal against Azuna. Double chance. I'm taking Villarreal double chance. And I'm taking both teams to score. Neither of these teams are getting shut out very regularly. I think Villarreal is the better team. I took Azuna two weeks ago. And they broke my heart. So let's go with the better talented team at home and give myself two out of three outs. And I just, I think, I think the guarantee here, almost the almost guarantee here is that both teams are going to score. So just tacking that on there, throwing it on ends up bringing it to plus plus one thirteen. So anytime you can get a win or a draw and two teams are most likely to score and come out with plus odds. I just think it, I think it's a full send bet. No, so, I mean, yeah, I like it too. I think that's, yeah, that's one I'll probably play actually. That's, that sounds like a good bet. Um, for my last one, I'm heading over to uh, MLS. Uh, um, last week, I did make a play on uh, Philadelphia Union to win on the road, and uh, they actually did come through. It's their first win on the road uh, since May, as we talked about. Um, so this week, I'm going to kind of double up on that, and I'm going to give them a double chance. Um, they play at Montreal. Um, and then I'm also going to tie that in with an under two and a half goals for the game. Um, Philadelphia in is averaging about one goal, uh, per road match and Montreal has only, uh, 25 goals in 14 home games. Um, they are pretty good at home. Uh, eight wins, three losses, three draws, but I think Philadelphia is just the better team and it's getting down to crunch time for playoff positioning. So I think they will, I think they'll get a draw and I really think it'll be something like one-to-one or maybe even zero to zero. So Philadelphia double chance uh, plus the under two and a half goals comes out to plus 167. There you go. Yeah. That's not bad at all. All right. What do you got for, for your next one, Dan? All right. I am going to stay in the premier league and I am going to back um, a both teams to score between Newcastle and um, Tottenham because Newcastle just is not playing any defense. I mean, the big, the big issue um, that they've had is they just cannot keep um, goals out of the net. I mean, they're scoring just fine, but I mean, this, I mean, this team, they're seeing um, potential wins turn into um, draws because they've given up 16 goals on the season. I mean, scoring eight goals in seven matches, that's pretty good. But when you're conceding more than two goals a game, you're going to be in trouble. So Newcastle does tend to play Tottenham a little bit tough. So I don't want to get too aggressive here. So this one is only a minus 155. But I think um, that taking both teams to score holds a lot of value here. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I've and I've also noticed too that with the both teams to score, when when it gets to between that like negative one sixty, negative one thirty range, it's almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. I, I very rarely do I miss that specific line item when it's in that range. So I like it. Yeah, and I mean, I want to take Tottenham and both to score at plus two seventy, but the last two times these teams have met it's finished as a draw. So I don't want to take that risk here. 
Yep. Yep. I'm sure I'm sure you could probably take a little bit of a risk and go with the upset double chance and boost it big time, but it's not. I mean, if, if I was going to do that, I think I would um pair I think I would pair up um Tottenham double chance um at minus three fifty and pair that with the um both the score because I'm pretty sure I'd still get plus money with that. Yep. And I don't like I don't think Newcastle is getting a win. A draw, that could very well happen. Yep, that's a, that's exactly how I'm seeing it too. I just a little side note. I am one England penalty conceit concession away from hitting every single one of my Coda Capper soccer bets this week. Dang. Yeah. Nice. No, dude. Fucking England. Are you kidding me? Uh I I had a seven-way parlay um on European no matches. Like I think it was all money line and Croatia because of course my Slovakia decides to actually <laughs> show up with nothing on the line and get a um get a two two um draw out of it. It's like, are yeah. you kidding me here? We never do well against Croatia, and this is the time we actually pull it off when it when I've um got ten dollars to win hundred and twenty on the line. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Dan, I legitimately, I legitimately looked at the line because I did a four leg parlay on the Comable Concacaf the day before so that would have been sunday or no no monday who played was it in was it euros that europe that played on monday yeah yeah i did a four-leg parlay on monday hit did a four-leg parlay on tuesday and it was because of england that i didn't hit but when i was looking through all those matches i saw croatia and slovakia and i specifically thought of you and i specifically thought about the run lately and i go i don't want to touch that. <laughs> I want <laughs> nothing to do with it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, do you have any more picks? I, I'm all out. I, I don't have any more picks for the week. Um, let's see, I'll try. I'll try to get done this one in before uh, my internet um goes haywire because there's a storm here, but. I'm really liking um, a draw in the New York Derby um, on Sunday for plus 270. I think that Red Bulls and City are just about even, so I think that one will finish level. Right. There you go. Any thoughts on uh, your Sounders traveling to Houston? Best road team in the Western Conference versus one of the worst teams in the Western Conference? I mean, that should be a match that we come away with on points. I mean, we've we have been um, playing pretty well as of late, um, riding a four-match win streak. So I'm thankful that going for League's Cup didn't end up screwing us over. But, yeah, I, th- I think we can get out of um, Houston with at least something. I think there's a good chance that we get three points. And then we have the big week um, coming up, um, going to Colorado and getting sporting at home. So if we can if we can get through um, this week, then – there's a pretty good chance that um, the road to MLS Cup is going to go through Seattle. So let's hope. Right. Yeah, I mean, you really want to get points uh, and, you know, probably three points. Uh, with yeah, the, I mean, at Houston, try and then you got the next, you know, next two best teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm under no I'm under no delusions that we're going to catch New England for the Shield. I think the Revs have that locked up, but mm-hmm. – I mean, I think that there's a good chance that we can 
secure them um, first in the West, get the bye, get the um, CCL spot that comes with it, win two matches, and then take our chances in Foxborough. I, 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 how does that work out usually? Is it in MLS playoffs that generally the, the best teams kind of make it through the, the, the tournament or is it kind of like um, a hockey thing? Not, not really. I mean, like, it's gotten a little bit um, better for the higher seeds since some um, MLS ditched on um, the two leg ties and went to a um, NFL style straight knockout um, format, mm-hmm. but the top seed um, hasn't, hasn't had a lot of success. Um, so that does worry me a little bit, but basically the Western conference for the past, God, I don't even know how many years it is at this point. I think it's like six or seven um, years. It's been team from the Pacific Northwest because all of those um, conference championships, I think the past six have either gone to us or Portland. So, I mean, it, it depends on what, on what kind of um, draw we get and whether we've got everybody healthy, but if we're in one piece, I really like our chances in the Western conference. Um, Like I think that this team is a lot better position than last year's team was last year's team really had no business getting to the final. We should have lost the Western final to Minnesota, but this year's team had, when we've been healthy, we've looked simply outstanding. The problem is the same is true of new England. So I think we can make it to another MLS final. Can we beat the revs? I don't know. Right. And Corey, you got anything to add? I know you're dying to comment on MLS. <laughs> uh, um, no, I'm good. I mean, Seattle's usually a pretty safe bet to advance pretty far. So you uh, you always have a good chance on them winning it. All right, then. So, I mean, if that's all, then uh, then I guess we'll go ahead and let you go, Dan. And uh, thanks for coming on. And as always, uh, be tracking these bets. Uh, and like I said, you know, thanks for coming on. I love having you on. Yeah, let's hope these best these bets last longer than um, the U.S. and Canada bets from yesterday. In oh boy, five five minutes in, and both of them were down. Yeah, I uh, I <laughs> I tweeted. That I don't usually tweet my picks, but that the moment that I saw Ariola was out and way was in, I instantly tweeted at at Coda Cappers and was USA to win over one and a half. Boom, instant save. <laughs> yeah and it it worked out for me okay because i did make a money bet on just the u.s and canada both to win without dumb throwing the on to nil bet in there so that worked out okay but for the contest two two losses pretty fast right no all right man well we'll go ahead and let you go and good luck this weekend as always and we will see you next week all right thanks guys yep thanks dan bye all right, everyone. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Gabacho Paracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. I had a lot of fun in the last week. As always, one third of your host at DJ Corfo Seven Corey Dare, and I'm here with at Don Thomas Miller, Thomas Miller, the <laughs> second third of the third hosts. Yep, and as always, we were. We were uh, joined by Dan Angel. That's at Dan Angel with two L's 11 on Twitter. He does a really good job of posting a lot of soccer picks on Twitter. So he is definitely worth giving a follow as well. I absolutely love combing through his picks. It always seems like when me and him agree on something, 
we typically tend to hit. So I'm always looking forward to seeing what he has to say every day when it comes to his soccer picks. And as always, we would like to give a big shout out to at Coda Capital Sports Gambling Network. They are the ones that allow us to do this. They're the ones that help us out and help us get to all of the listeners out there. So we want to give a big shout out and thank you for them. And they have a bunch of other podcasts too. I know we haven't ever really talked about it, but they've got a really good college football podcast at Coda Capper's College Football. They have at High and Inside, at Family Gambling Feud, at Mount Lockmore. You know, there's 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 a lot of podcasts in the Coda Cappers. So definitely give them all a listen. And I guarantee you there is something for you in each one of them. But with that being said, looking forward to next week. We'll have a little bit, hopefully, clearer injury updates for you guys. And uh, is there anything that you'd want to leave off with, Tom? Uh, no, man. Thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. See you next week. See you guys.